This is Ali Ciardo, and this is Photo Field Notes, stories and inspiration from professional photographers. Hey everyone, today's interview is with Maria Bayer, and it's a little bit different because Maria is actually not a photographer, she's a sales coach, but I know her personally, and she's given me tons of great advice in the past, and I thought that you could definitely benefit from some of her little tricks and tips. If you're listening to this on iTunes, you can go to photofieldnotes.com to see show notes and other cool resources. I have a template that walks clients through how to schedule photography into their wedding days, so check it out there, and let's get started. Well, hey, everybody. This is Ali Ciardo, and today I'm talking with Maria Bayer. Maria is a sales coach for creative entrepreneurs, and she's a creator of Irresistible Selling, How to Win Wedding and Event Clients That You Love. Um, Maria, I actually met a couple of years ago now, and I've personally worked with her as a sales coach. So it just seems fitting to have her on the podcast today because she now works very closely with wedding professionals and photographers, and she is full of good advice. Okay, Maria, let's start back at the beginning for you. You were originally in corporate America, like many of us, and how did you go from the sales job and kind of a bigger company to running your own company, and specifically in weddings? That's a great question, and it's great to be here, by the way, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, my story is that I spent, gosh, well over 10 years in the corporate world, and I worked in um, corporate software sales. So I sold to basically Fortune you know, 500, Fortune 1000 companies, and sold them you know, software and related services. So I did that for a long time and um, became very good at it. It was a very, very tough job and traveled a lot. Um, but I did I did really well and created a really nice life for myself. And then I just kind of got burned out. You know, I felt like I wasn't doing what I was meant to, you know, meant to do. And I started getting the itch to leave. So I did. And then I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. So I uh, spent some time just, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, what my next move was going to be. And, you know, it was really hard because you're really good at something and that's what you know how to do. So you're kind of lost. And one of the first lessons I realized was sometimes you can't see what's right in front of your face, what's so obvious to everybody else, but not you. And I was talking with a friend of mine who you also know, Jen, and she's a photographer. And we were talking one day and she says, you know, Maria, why don't you come and talk to this group that I manage? It's a big photography group in Chicago um, it's Dean Sanders group. And she said, why don't you come and teach us how to sell? And I thought, oh, wow, I could do that. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a need for that. You know, I was just thinking I had a one track mind of thinking that I would have to sell for a company. And so, um, that, that's what, you know, started everything. And so I just put something together, you know, like a little training class for the photography group and the feedback was so good that I kind of got the bug for it, you know, and I thought I could really get into this because I just didn't realize that there were so many creative people out there, and in this case photographers, that were so very talented but did not know how to sell because obviously they had never taken a sales class before. They were not in sales like I was as a career, and so I realized that they could really learn something here, and by learning that, they're able to just do their passion and really get their passion and, and their, their talent out into the world. 
And all they needed to do was learn the sales part because that's a learnable skill, as I learned, because when I started in sales, I was terrible. <laughs> and I was, and, and I lost, in fact, I was let go from my first job. And thank God I didn't quit. You know, I gave it another go and I was able to figure it out. And so that's a lot of what I teach today is, you know, those, those concepts that I learned very early on of how to be successful. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I didn't even know all the details of how you got into it. But, okay, and so many of us know, I guess maybe it's the general cliche about photographers. Photographers are artists. They're not necessarily business people. And so those who are really good at both sides, being the artist, but also really being good business people, are the ones who thrive and do really well in photography. When you meet photographers, what would you say is the typical just the typical feeling that they have or attitude that they have towards sales? A lot of people will feel like they shy away from it because they don't want to come across as salesy or pushy or any of those stereotypes that people think about when they think about sales. You know, the the classic used car salesman comes to mind first, I think, for everybody, (laughs) as it did for me too. And that was something that I – that was like a mindset that I had to work through. Um, to help become successful. But that's I think that's a really common feeling is that, well, I don't want to over-promote myself. I don't want to sound like I'm patting myself on the back. And so I, I totally get all that. And it's just learning a way to do that in a way that's really, really authentic to them and sounds like a conversation. And, and that basically is a conversation. So that's how I, I teach my students it's the way that I became successful, and it's the method that's most comfortable for me. And so when you're able to do that and be comfortable, then it doesn't come across as salesy because I'm not teaching a spiel or a pitch. I'm teaching them just how to communicate, how to ask the right questions, how to have that conversation so they can elicit the types of information that they need to understand what that client is looking for and if they're going to be a good fit and how to serve them best. So mm-hmm. I find that when they do that, it it's no longer a salesy thing. It's no longer um, feeling icky or feeling pushy. It's just learning how to converse with your client, how to get that information out of your client, and then you know learning some of the the you know just the strategies that I've learned from being in the business for so long. I can shortcut what they're doing so quickly because. They obviously don't have the time to do it by trial and error. Right. Well, so. you've definitely piqued my interest. Okay, so where are you starting when you're talking with photographers? Are you looking at, once they're already speaking with clients, how they can win the client initially? Are you talking about how they can even just communicate before they meet the client? Are you talking about selling products to them afterward? Or are you kind of talking about the whole picture? Where are you starting when you're talking with photographers about these things? Most of my discussions really center around what to do as soon as they get that inquiry from that first client. So all of them have the inquiry form on their website. So what happens from the minute they get that form saying, hey, are you available for this date? You know, my wedding is in, you know, June, et cetera. And and by the way, how much do you charge? (laughs) That's the common thing. And that's where people usually fall down, and that's where they lose a lot of clients. So I teach them how to, you know, how to address that from the minute they get that inquiry to how to manage that whole process, how to shorten that process from the time that they get that inquiry to the time that they book them. And I teach them strategies to make that, that process shorter as well as to how to book them, you know, right there on the spot. 
So when they're meeting with them, how do I how do you get them to make a decision quickly so that it just doesn't go on forever and ever? And then they play that chasing game of calling mm-hmm. the client. Oh, are, you know, have you thought about it? You know, are I've sent you the proposal. What do you think? Do you have questions? I don't want people to chase them, so I give them strategies so that the client has the information that they need so that they can make a quick decision. And I teach them how to, you know, charge what they're worth, how to upsell their clients and really sell them, you know, their larger packages so that they can really get the whole experience of working with them. Are there any tips that you are willing to share? Because I'm sure that the listeners would be really curious to just get a couple of key takeaways that they can start applying right away. Um, So without giving away, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, what are a few kind of quick and easy tips that you are comfortable sharing that others could put to work right away? Great. Yes, I can give you a few things. When a client, when a potential client emails you and asks if you're available for a particular date, um, and what what do they charge? That seems to be the common request, right? Definitely. And a lot of photographers get really, you know, they can kind of get a little aggravated with that because they feel like, all right, they're just asking me for price. And mm-hmm. although I, I totally get that from their perspective, the problem is that your clients don't know what to ask you because you are the expert, they're not. And they probably have never hired a professional photographer before. So that's the only thing they know how to ask. But the wrong thing to do is the wrong thing to do is to email them back with either a price list or tell them what your pricing is because that shoots yourself in the foot right away. And the reason that it shoots yourself in the foot is because you don't give yourself the opportunity to build any value with them. And the only way to get them to be um, amenable to your price and to want to work with you is it is if you have an opportunity to actually talk with them verbally, whether that's in person or on the phone, and build value so that they can understand why you charge what you charge. And so you can get them to a place where they realize that your fees are absolutely reasonable for what you're giving them. And so what the mistake that most people make is that they just give the client what they're asking for because they feel like, well, I should be answering their question, right? That would be a good you know, business owner. I'm, I'm responding to them. <laughs> And sure. although, yes, that's true, you really need to just taper it a little bit. And, and what I recommend that they do is email them back and say, you know what, we're so excited that you contacted us and congratulations on your engagement. Yes, we're available for this date, and we would love to schedule a quick conversation with you just to make sure we're a good fit together and so that we can you know, talk about your vision for your wedding. And just by doing that little thing, it gets, gives them the opportunity to get on the phone with them and start building value and start, you know, building that picture and understanding what the client wants and starting to talk about your services so that by the time you talk about price later on, they're totally okay with that. And that's the biggest mistake people make. Yeah. So how do you feel about putting pricing on the website? Do you think that it's something – now, because – some other people will say, okay, we want to at least filter people out. Let's say their budget's a thousand dollars. That's not even close to what we're what we're charging. Or on my own website, I actually ask them as soon as they send an inquiry, what's your general budget price range that you're looking to spend? So that I have an idea. If they say that they're, they only want to spend a thousand dollars, you know, it might not be worth my time to take that full meeting. So what's your thought on actually publishing? either publishing pricing on the site somewhere to kind of filter people out and not waste time with people who absolutely will not meet that budget, or at least asking people for the budget range. Do you think that there's a good way to do that, or would you avoid that? 
No, I, first of all, that subject comes up all the time. Course, and this right? is, this is what I recommend to people. It's, it's sort of a depends answer. So if you are a newer photographer and you're just starting out and you just want to get those inquiries in the door, even if they're not the best inquiries, if you just need that practice of talking to people and, you know, getting comfortable with that, then I would say don't put your prices on your website at all. If you are of somebody that is maybe in the mid-tier or upper-tier price range with your pricing because maybe you've been in the business a while, then I would recommend that you put something on your website that says, like, packages or collections start at and give that minimum price range. And that will help um, flush out some of the people that are just kicking tires or looking to just price shop and give them an idea. Now, not everyone is going to read the things that are on your website. Some people don't look at everything that you have, right? So they may right. not even see that. So what I recommend right. is sort of a second step is what you had recommended. So in their contact form, I recommend that that's one of the questions that you ask. But here's the caveat. So this is a huge tip, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good one, and it will really help you, you structure your conversation and know how you need to address it with the client when you talk to them live on the phone. And that is you can ask them what their budget is on your inquiry form. But what I often um, recommend that my clients do is have like a multiple choice answer, right? So have it be where, like let's say your starting prices are at 2000 for example. Then have that first range be like two to 3000 3 to 5000 5 to 7000 and that whatever those those inc those increments are that make sense with your particular type of clients, but then add an extra um, item they can choose from, and have that be something to the effect of, "I'm not sure. Help me decide." Hmm. And you can phrase yeah. it any way you want. But the reason why that's so important, and the reason why that's strategic is because if you have them fill out that form and they just say, okay, my budget is two to 3000 well, you don't know going into that conversation with them whether or not that's a hard and fast budget because that's the amount of money that they have to spend. You don't know whether that budget is just based on a guesstimate because, quite frankly, none of your clients have probably hired a professional photographer before. So how do they really know what it costs, right, or what their budget right. should be? They really don't know that. They haven't been educated. Um, so that's why I like to ask that question and have that as an option because if they check that box, then you know that, yes, everybody has a budget, but they're not sure. And then you can walk into the conversation knowing that you can, ha you can say something like, you know, you marked that you weren't sure what your budget was. Would you like me to, like, maybe give you just an overview of the industry and, and the different price points that you're going to find in the, in the world of photography. And I have some yeah. clients that will educate them and say, you know what, You'll, there's certain photographers that charge from this range to this range, and those are generally the ones that have this kind of an experience level, you know, and then there's this range, you know, and it helps them educate them. And when they can yeah, educate them, yes, then, then they know, okay, this, budget isn't necessarily fixed is this is something that if I educate them and I help build value they will often up their budget or what they thought their budget was going to be to afford me it, it I guess it helps flush out the difference between if someone were to in, inquire for your services Allie and they said that their budget was three thousand um, dollars if that budget was hard and fast 
and you started at $4,000, you knew, then you'd know that you wouldn't want to talk to them, right? right? Or that they wouldn't be a good good client. And you could very easily say, you know what, I just want to make sure that you see that our starting prices start at 3000 You know, want to make sure that we, you know, we weren't wasting each other's time, that sort of thing. So Right. Or or I guess maybe even just having, if you have, I love the idea of the multiple choice instead of just kind of fill in the blank. And so if the multiple choice starts at the lowest price point that you offer, and then yes, I guess give them kind of the, let me guide you. But I think that that would really communicate well if it starts at your lowest price point and, they're, and they know that their price is lower than that, you know, they kind of at least set that expectation that before they reach out, they should be expecting to spend at least that amount. So I'm yeah. sure that it's just, it sounds brilliant to me. Yeah. Have you heard from your clients that they've had success with this? Have they been able to, um, through educating their clients and, and meeting with them and talking them through, has it really worked for them? Have people expanded their budgets? Have they just had, you know, better luck with getting the types of clients that they're looking for? Yeah, it works brilliantly, actually. It helps people kind of pinpoint what their budget is if, you know, when, when in that initial conversation, it helps them position how they're going to have that conversation. And a lot of my clients have said, especially the ones, you know, once they get comfortable with talking to clients and once they learn how to sort of systematically build value with them and, and do that on a regular basis, they're able to upsell their clients all the time. I get emails all the time from my clients saying, you know, I had two clients in a row, both of which said their budget was X, but I started at $1,000 more, and they ended up spending even $1,000 on top of that. So when they become comfortable with how to build value with somebody and not to get caught in that email exchange, because I think that's what a a lot of business owners do is they end up communicating via email. And it makes it really hard for you to build value with them. So that's why I recommend getting them on the phone because here's the other thing that that does for them. When you make them get on the phone with you, that helps vet them a little bit further because if they're just looking to price shop or they're not really interested in you at all and they're just going to 10 different photographers' websites and filling in the form, if they don't want to get on the phone with you, then they're not a client they're not an ideal client for you because they're just price shopping. And do you typically start then, you recommend a phone call to do kind of a pre-vet and then meeting in person after that to really get into it in depth? Or do you think that sometimes a phone call is all it takes? What's your kind of, where would you say it falls in terms of building that relationship and really getting to know them? My ideal for my clients, especially photographers, is for them to have that initial um, email exchange to set up a date to talk. If the client doesn't want to talk, then they know that it's not the right client for them and they can just walk away and not waste any time. Um, mm-hmm. But then set a time to talk with them on the phone, have that conversation, build that value with them, and get the information that they need so that they could put together a proposal. And then meet with them to discuss the, the proposal. And most yeah. of them are able to book them right there on the spot. So that's the that's my preferred method because if they do it in the way that I teach them, it gives the client all the information that they need to be able to make a decision by the time that they meet in person. Yeah, and by talking with them on the phone first, the big thing that that accomplishes is that it helps you flush through the people that are going to be good clients and the ones that are just not the right fit for you at all because mm-hmm. if you meet with everybody first, then you're going to be waiting, wasting a lot of time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm glad you cleared that up because that was my concern. I was kind of thinking, okay, I like I actually post all of my pricing on my website currently um, because I I just don't have the time to waste. If somebody doesn't have the budget, you know, I kind of say I don't I just don't have time. I need to kind of have you self-select. But I like that, you know, getting on the phone. It doesn't take too long. And then I have actually found just in the last couple of months after we renovated our home and I finally felt like it was a good place to have people come into my own home instead of meeting with them in a coffee shop or just on the phone, I have found that that in-person meeting has been amazing to be able to show them products and just kind of make them, I think it's the personal touch of them feeling like they get to know me um, and that's worked out really well. So I like kind of the stepped approach that you talk about where, yes, it ends up being in person. I think that's important when you can, you know, unless they're out of town. But, yeah, still being able to vet them I think is is a very good idea so that you're not chasing leads that are just, you know, running all over the place for meetings that aren't going to amount to anything. So that's great advice. Do you have any other little tips that you can share? For example, are your clients typically selling products before the wedding happens, or are they doing sales and follow-up after the wedding? They do it both ways. So it just depends on what they're most comfortable with. So I have Got some it. clients that won't sell. I mean, they'll offer the albums up front, but if the client isn't sure, what I recommend that they do is that they say, okay, if you're comfortable with me as your photographer and you know that you want to work with me, then let's just book this base package and then we can talk about it later in terms of what you might want, you know, as far as albums or pictures or photo credits and those types of things. I have one client in particular who I call the queen of upselling because she tip like regularly will have when she throws, I forget what she calls it, but she has sort of a viewing party when the pictures are ready. And yeah. so she brings the bride and groom in and she shows them the, the pictures and the album that she's put together for them. And she upsells them. And she regularly, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what she said most recently, but I think she had like a $5,000 upsell or something, you know, very <laughs> large. <laughs> and she does wow. it because, and, and there's a brilliant strategy to that because, first of all, people will forget what they've already spent with you. If you're not comfortable upselling them in the beginning or if the client isn't really sure what they want, and that I would believe is true for a lot of potential brides and grooms, that they're not sure what kind of album that they're going to want or whether they want a parent's album or mm-hmm. how many frame pictures they want because they haven't even seen the pictures yet. So right. for a lot of people, it makes more sense to to upsell them later. So when they do that viewing party, have them come in because they're never going to be happier than at that time when they see their pictures for the first time. And so it's much easier for you to say, okay, it's it's much easier for them to envision what they're buying instead of up front where they have no idea, you know, what they're looking at or what it's going to end up looking like. So it's just an easier thing to do at the end. But, you know, you could do it either way, whichever way you're more comfortable. And it it's really a personal preference. I've got students that do it either way and both make do very well with it. It just it, it depends on what you're most comfortable with. And and that yeah. to me is important because that's what's gonna make you not salesy. It if you do things the way you're most comfortable and that work the best given your personality and, and what you enjoy doing, then that's what's gonna make you successful. So yeah. I try not to put people into a box and say you have to do it this way in most cases, but in this case, you know, I like to give them options. And some people do it before and some people do it after. Um, wrapping up, if you had to pick one piece of advice 
to leave creative professionals with, one little thing that they could do today or think about even today, what would you recommend? Where do you recommend that they start thinking about this? So one piece of advice, um, aside from what I've already shared, I would say that people classically undervalue themselves. They'll give away the farm. They'll undervalue their services. They'll throw things in for free or they'll negotiate their pricing. And that just devalues you as a person, just emotionally, physically. It just it doesn't feel good to anybody. And if you can really internalize the value that you're providing to your clients, it will come across so much more confidently. And when you're confident, your clients will be confident in you and will be much more likely to pay your fees when you can confidently communicate why you're worth so much. But I see people classically undervaluing themselves and really not charging enough to cover their time, even their time. You know, sure, and it yeah. really comes down to understanding how to articulate that value to the client. And a lot of times it's really just, you know, especially for photography in particular, and I really have a, um, a unique perspective because I just got married a few years ago. So I sat, the, I was on both sides of the table. You know, I can look mm-hmm. at it from a, a sales trainer perspective and, and a sales coach, but I can look at it from a bride's perspective. And I can say I didn't know anything that went on in terms of editing photos or just the amount of time that you spend, I thought that all you did was just show up on the day of the wedding and take pictures, and that was it. So sure. if you help communicate to your clients all that stuff that you're doing on the back end just to make their images gorgeous, they yeah. will have a much better appreciation for how, why you charge what you charge because all they're seeing is what they see, which is you showing up on the day of their wedding. They right. need to understand yeah. what happens behind closed doors and all the equipment that goes into it and all the time and effort. And that's just talking about your background. You know, I've been doing this for X number of years, and these are all the classes I've taken, and it takes a long time to perfect your images. And just that sort of thing, having those types of conversations, helps you communicate that value to the client. And when you can internalize that, then you can charge a lot more for your services. Okay, Maria, so you've already given a ton of great advice. Now, I know that some listeners will be really interested to hear more about your services and your the classes that you offer. So where can people find you online? Awesome. You can go to um, mariabayer.com, and you can sign up for my weekly tips. And whenever I have my program that's open for enrollment, you'll be the first to know. So I offer that a couple times a year. We just closed one out a couple months ago, so the next one will be announced pretty soon. Sounds good. I'll be signing up. Awesome. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. On next week's episode, I'm speaking with Chicago's Artist of the Year, Nick Uliberry. Nick specializes in architecture and food, and he gets to fly in helicopters high above Chicago taking photos. So come back next week and check us out. I know there's so many people who are talented in photography, and you know, there are people who take way better photos than me. But I think the key to doing photography for a living really is the business portion of it.